Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecant. Send messages to the show on Twitter, at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can also... Hit us up on the chat room here at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. And, again, we're going to be talking sports. We're going to be having fun doing a great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by 76ers guard Tony Roten. Uh, Tony's having a basketball camp actually out there in Seattle. A lot of ballers out there in Seattle. Jamal Crawford, Tony Roten, Nate Robinson. A lot of ballers out there in Seattle. But Tony Roten having a skills academy, and that's going to be held in Seattle next week. And we're going to talk to him uh, about that. Also, we're also going to be joined by Sean Kilpatrick. Uh, he played for the Sixers, uh, played on the Sixers Summer League team in Las Vegas, and, and Kilpatrick had a decent run for the Sixers during Summer League. Um, at this point, he's waiting for a training camp invite from a team, but we're going to talk to him about his future prospects. And Scotty Hobson will be joining us from the Houston Rockets. And Scotty had an interesting last uh, few weeks. I mean, he was traded three times in a span of a few dates. So we're interested to talk to him about that and, and just talk to him about his future plans and move forward, you know, and, and, and see where he stands and whether or not, I mean, he starred overseas in Israel. actually won a dunk contest out there in Israel. Pretty impressive for that man, but uh, we're definitely going to talk to him about some of those things. So, again, a great show lined up for you today. Tony Roten of the Sixers. Uh, Sean Kilpatrick played for the Sixers Summer League team. And also, Scotty Hobson plays for the Houston Rockets. A great show lined up for you today. Baseball, the trading deadline has come and gone. And you look at what happened. The Oakland A's, they get a top-of-the-line starter and John Lester. You look at the Detroit Tigers, they now get a top-of-the-line starter and David Price. And so, and, and we talked about we talked about David Price last week, and you were wondering whether or not the Rays would actually move Price, especially after – uh, the team went on a little run there. You thought maybe they would hold on possibly to David Price, but he's gone. He is gone, and he is the property of the Detroit Tigers. Now the Detroit Tigers, I mean, they can hit you with that front line, you know, those those front line starters of Scherzer and, and Priscilla and, and Verlander and Price. I mean, that's going to be a difficult, difficult, Difficult front. You know, this is going to be a difficult start. That's going to be difficult to navigate. I mean, you, you get those type of guys in a short series, obviously you got to favor the Detroit Tigers in any short series, and also you got to favor them moving forward. I mean, the, the Tigers at this point have to be one of the favors, favorites, I should say, after what they did. And also Oakland. Oakland, Oakland is still there. Oakland and Detroit both 
really, really strengthened themselves. They both got top-of-the-line starters. The Tigers, your questions are now, your bullpen, Joe Nathan. And Joe Nathan hasn't had a Joe Nathan caliber season, at least not the season he had a year ago. And it, right, you know, so they did add Soria, Joaquin Soria. So we'll see what happens with the Detroit Tigers. But obviously the trade deadline has come and gone, and I'm looking around, and the Philadelphia Phillies, one of the teams that you thought for sure would be active, did absolutely nothing. I mean, this team did absolutely nothing. Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, obviously Ryan Howard's an impossible uh, trade. You can't trade him. It's impossible. Makes too much money. You thought maybe Cliff Lee possible, but after coming back from the injury and after those first two starts coming back from the injury, hasn't been all that sharp. You knew there was a possibility that could be difficult. And Cole Amos. So, and, and Marlon Bird. I mean, you thought maybe something would happen there, and obviously things still could happen. You know, guys obviously have to clear waivers and things of that nature, so things still could happen. But you thought for sure that the Phillies would possibly do something. You thought the Phillies would do something. I mean, something. And they didn't. They didn't. And, you know, you look at Boston and Oakland. Oakland, again, gets the the top-of-the-line starter in John Lester. Can never have too many starters going into the playoffs. Never can have never. You can't have too many good top of the line starters in your rotation. Never, never. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see what if these moves will will make a difference. If these moves will change the standings a little bit. I mean, you look at the top of the the standings in the American League. You look at Boston. I mean, not Boston. You look at Detroit. Four and a half games up on Kansas City. Obviously, they strengthened their team with David Price. Oakland, two and a half games up on Anaheim. So that strengthens their their hold on the division. And Boston, I mean, 13 games out at this point. But they get a young outfielder in Cepedas. So at this point, if you're, you're, you're Boston, your season's done anyway. You're done. So, I mean, you can't really fault the Red Sox. I mean, they get an opportunity to get a decent – Outfitter and Cepedas, who won uh, the home run derby the past couple of years. So you, you get a guy, a young prospect, not a young prospect, a young player. You get a young player in Cepedas, and I, I think, you know, I think both teams make out well here. And right now you look at the Red Sox, they're done. They're done pretty much. They're pretty much done in terms of winning the division and in terms of the wild card. They're done. They're done. But you look at, in terms of the wild card, who has the wild card lead? And the Angels in Toronto both have the lead. The Yankees, they didn't do anything. You thought maybe they would try to do something in terms of finding an, another starter because we all know the Yankees have had some issues in terms of their starting rotation, in terms of injuries along that starting rotation. But the Yankees didn't do anything. And so it should be interesting. We'll see what happens in the final uh, few months of the baseball season. Obviously, deals still can be made. You know, obviously guys have to clear waivers and things of that nature in order for that, those things to happen. But we'll see how that transpires. But, uh, you know, uh, an interesting day in baseball. And the tra- trading deadlines in any sport, well, not necessarily football, but baseball and, and, and basketball, they're always exciting. They're always exciting because the, the rumors, it's more so to build up than the actual what happens because you you rarely get those big-time deals um, 
during the, during the deadline, those, those, you know, those epic deals during the deadline. You don't get them. You get a lot of hype. You get a lot of buildup. You get a lot of hype and buildup leading up to leading up to the deadline, but when the actual deadline comes, well, you're kind of let down. Some of those deals that you thought maybe would come to fruition didn't happen. Did not happen. And the Red Sox were busy. They also trade Lackey, John Lackey as well. So, you know, the, the Red Sox were pretty busy today. This is a busy day for, for the Boston Red Sox. And you remember the Boston Red Sox many years, a few years ago, where uh, uh, they made that big deal with the Dodgers and, and how much that helped that team in terms of putting them in position ultimately to win a World Series the year after that. So we'll see how this, this, these, deadline, these deadline deals work out for these teams. At this point, obviously, looking at this year, you're looking at Oakland, and obviously Oakland having the best record in the American League. You wonder now, will this deal put them over the top? The Tigers now, they still are formidable and become better. Obviously, Oakland, you would think, will come, becomes better as well. And Oakland, you know, they're trying to hold off the Angels. And as we know, with the two wild cards in baseball, it's very important. Winning that division is very important. You don't want to have to deal with that, 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 that playing game, if you will. You don't want to deal with that if you don't have to. And you can say in terms of the extra wild card, but I think the extra wild card is great. It's great for baseball. Wild card in general has been great. But you know, adding that extra one is even better because you give the advantage to the team that wins the division before it really wasn't that much of an advantage. Now they have the advantage. Winning the division is big, and it actually means something, which is good. And we'll see what happens moving forward. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Houston Rockets guard Scotty Hobson. You're listening to Go Forward on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't see mean it. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to uh, throw you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's that Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. Okay. <laughs> hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. Okay. 
Hey, what that. up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. We're going to bring in a guy now who had a, who had a good summer league run for the Philadelphia 76. A very good run. Very impressive run, averaged 11 points per game, but he had games of 19 points and, and 20 points, so he did his thing with the Philadelphia 76ers out there in Las Vegas for summer league. Let's bring him in now, uh, former Cincinnati guard, Sean Kilpatrick. Sean, how are you? How's everything going? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sean, let's get right down to it. You had a nice little summer league run with the Philadelphia 76ers. As we said, you averaged 11 points per game. As we said, you had a 20-point game. You had a 19-point game. All in all, talk about your summer league play. Um, I, I mean, I liked it a lot, and I enjoyed it. Um, that was something that was really um, important for me, just to really enjoy it and really be able to play with um, the talented guys that I, that I had on my team. And, and they were doing a pretty good job with um, finding me in situations where I, I had easier, um, easier ways to really score. And, I mean, it, it was it was one heck of a ride being out there um, with the Sixers in, in Vegas. For sure. And let me ask you this. Obviously, as we said, you played well. At this point, have you heard anything from the Sixers or any other teams in terms of a, a training camp invite? Um, my, my, my agent is um, dealing with that right now. I mean, the only thing that I can really do is be patient and just continue to keep being me and make sure that my um, my mind is really – focus for um, what's going to be happening in the next month or the next month or two. So I'm just really letting my agent um, take care of all of that. And, I mean, I'm just really enjoying this process with being here in New York with my family um, for the little bit of time that I do have. But I'm just, I'm just really happy to be in this position that I'm in. You feel confident that at some point you will get a call? Yeah, I, I'm pretty confident. I mean, I, I let my game speak for itself. And, I mean, there's, there's plenty of teams in the NBA that actually knows what I can do, but I mean, like I said, I'm just really whatever team that um, gives me the opportunity to come in and just let me play my game. I mean, that that's something that I really look forward to, and that's something that I really just want to take full advantage of. Just really the opportunity of being able to showcase what I have in front of um, the team. We're talking to NBA free agent Sean Kilpatrick. He played for the University of Cincinnati last season, and Sean. Second all-time leading scorer, score, excuse me, in Cincinnati history. You were a twenty-point scorer last season for Cincinnati. In your opinion, why did you go undrafted? Um, I mean, I don't know that. You know, in certain situations with the draft, I mean, things trickle down to um, what what teams need. And I mean, obviously, I mean, with me not getting drafted, I mean, teams didn't think that. I mean, I, I had that um, capability of playing right with them or, or within that system. So, I mean, I took a different route and being able to just really continue to keep building on um, what, what, I've, what I've had, like with, my, with the chip on my shoulder that I do have, it's just another great assault that i got to continue to keep working with. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not mad about be, um, being undrafted or anything like that. Everything happens for a reason, and everything is in God's hands. So, I mean, I just let everything continue to keep um, playing out the way it is, and I can just only control what I can control. Now, at that point in time when you did not hear your name, were, were you shocked? Were you surprised? Um, pretty. I mean, my whole family was shocked. I mean, I was shocked. Um, my coaches um, back at school were shocked. And, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, like my coach said um, back at um, Cincinnati, I mean, everything happens for a reason. And 
you can only control what you can control. But, I mean, everyone, like I said, and my family was shocked. And, I mean, we, we all thought that we were going to um, be able to hear that hear that name on that on that special day. But, sure. I mean, it didn't happen that way. And that's just something that I got to continue to keep looking um, looking past and just making sure that everything is um, falling in the right hands um, for me. We're talking to NBA free agent Sean Kilpatrick. He played for the Philadelphia 76ers during summer league and played for the University of Cincinnati last season. Now, based off of what happened and going undrafted, on some level, in some respect, do you regret going back for your senior season? No, not at all. I mean, me wanting to get my degree was something that I, a decision that I made on my own, and I, I really thought that that was something important for me, like, for for example, if I decided to ever stop playing basketball or if I wanted to do something else with my career, I mean at least I have a degree in that piece of paper so I can so I can at least have some type of leverage when I do go in for a job interview or anything like that. But I mean me being the um me being the, the first person in my family to actually graduate from college, that was something that I wanted to do and make history within my family. So it was a decision that I made within um within everything. Do you think it hurt your stock at all going back? Um, it probably did. It probably didn't. I mean, I don't know. With, with me coming back as a um, senior, I mean, I was able to really um, make a lot of achievements, like with, with being um, second leading scorer in school history right. and also being able to um, graduate as an All-American. And I think that's something that every um, college kid comes into college wanting to be an All-American. But I was blessed um, in putting those opportunities where – I could showcase my talent, and Coach Crony, he does a, he did a great job with doing that, making sure that I was able to get the type of exposure I needed, and I think I took full advantage of that, and that's how everything went, went into play. Talk about Coach Cronin. I mean, you guys seem to have a very good relationship. Talk about the impact he's had on your career. Oh, he's had a huge impact. I mean, that's he he's someone that, like I said before, he's like the father figure that, I, I had when my when my real dad wasn't there, and I mean, mm-hmm. with, with him being being able to like really guide me through everything, like especially throughout college, and and really be able to um teach me like life lessons, especially. I mean, that was something that I really appreciated with him, um through through everything, and with his um tenacity and, and with his his like his high spirit when it comes down to basketball. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why me and him. They clicked the way we did when it um, came down to basketball. But basketball and, and life situations that me and him also have, have been through together when it came down to the sport of basketball, I mean, it made us a lot closer than, than usual. So, I mean, I really love him for that. Now, we've seen in summer league, we've seen at the University of Cincinnati that you can put the ball in the basket. What do you feel like you need to improve on moving forward? Um, I really want to continue to keep improving on my um, my rebounding, how, how, how I rebound the ball, and just making sure that I, I make sure that everyone on my team is continuing to keep getting better with my assist game. I mean, I know that I, I can score the ball in bunches, but, I mean, every team is looking for more than that, and I think I can bring that to a table as well, and especially to a team. I mean, I'm just um, really focusing on that and, and making sure that I do all the intangibles in, in, in the middle of it, like playing defense, and I don't think that's something that I really need to um, need something to be said about when it comes down to defense. Because I mean, that's where I come from. I come from a school where that, that's all they taught was defense. So I mean, I just really want to do everything else with the intangibles. For sure. Now, where do you, what do you see yourself on the next level? Do you think you're going to be a shooting guard, a point guard? Where do you see yourself? 
Um, I, I say a combo guard. I say the one okay. into it because, I mean, I can do pretty much everything in the, in the guard position with being able to handle the ball. And also, I mean, I'm a lot bigger than um, most point guards as well. So, I mean, with, with me being the size that I am now and me continuing to keep growing every day and just really just trying to learn the game every day, I mean, that's something that's real important within my game. And I think that's something that I really want to continue to keep doing. So I think being a, a combo guard, will be our position in the league. We're talking to NBA free agent Sean Kilpatrick. Sean played for the Philadelphia 76ers summer league team, also played for the University of Cincinnati last season. Now, Sean, one of your close friends is Lance Stevenson. We know what he has done in this league. What advice have you gotten from Lance Stevenson? Um, well, number one, just make sure that you're always ready. I mean, your number, your number and your name can be called at any given moment, and we all know that the NBA is a business, but you got to still continue to keep making sure that you're mentally focused and you're just really stable when it comes down to your mind. And, I mean, I think he's done a great job with really um, prepping me since he's been in the league with making sure that um, my, my mental is right and, and making sure that I continue to keep staying healthy and, and, and just really just going hard every day. I mean, that's something that he continues to keep telling me every day. And with me and him being the best of, best of friends, I mean, that's something that, I appreciate from him. Let me ask you about Lance Stevenson. I know a lot was made of him, you know, blowing in the ear of LeBron and just some of the antics going on with him and LeBron. To me, I, I didn't really have a problem with it, and I thought a lot of it was kind of overblown. But all in all, who is the real Lance Stevenson? Oh, Lance, he, he's such a great guy, man. I mean, I think a lot of people don't understand that, I mean, even though he, he plays basketball the way that he does and he's so he's so tough on the court, when it comes off the court, I mean, he's one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. And I think that's um, that's something that a lot of people don't give him a lot of credit for. And I mean, I, I just, I mean, with me being able to know him since I was about, I say, 12, 13 years old, I mean, that's something that, that I really continue to keep um, learning about him. I mean, he's someone on the court that is very hard to play against him because he, he's going to bring it every every night. But when he gets off the court, just knows, I mean, that everything is, is all good and you, you're going to continue to keep loving him for him. And I think a lot of people, like I said, don't give him a lot of credit for that. And he bet on himself, basically, with that three-year, $27 million deal with the Horn, uh, with the uh, Horn, excuse me. So uh, do you expect a big year out of Lane Stevenson next season? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's going to always give you um, 100% of him, and he's going to continue to keep working hard every day. I mean, He's, not, he, he's one of the guys that I know that doesn't take the playoff at all. And with him being um, being the way he is and his mind the way it is, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to do pretty pretty well in, um, in Charlotte. So all my all my luck is to him, and I, and I know that he'll do fantastic in um, Charlotte. We're talking to Sean Kilpatrick. And, Sean, let me ask you this now. At the end of the day, I mean, you balled out in college, 20-point score last season with Cincinnati. You did your thing summer league-wise, averaging 11 points a game. At the end of the day, why should any team give Sean Kilpatrick an opportunity? Well, giving Sean Kilpatrick an opportunity, I mean, you're going to get someone who works hard. He, he, he's never taken the playoffs. I mean, since he's been throughout college, he's never missed a game. He, he, he's always been there working hard, and, and he's someone that can bring a lot of leadership to a team, especially a young team. I mean, with me being 24 years old, I think that's something that I can bring um, towards toward the locker room and towards the team on and off the court. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty much um, confident within myself knowing that I can get into this um, to this NBA business knowing that I have a um, great shot at being someone great in this league. But, I mean, at the end of the day, that's something that the NBA has to determine. 
Now, if it doesn't work out for you in terms of the NBA this year, you're, you're willing to go overseas and, and things of that nature? Um, I haven't I haven't thought about anything overseas. I just continue okay. to keep worrying about what's, what's going on now. For sure, great attitude. Sean, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Sean Kilpatrick on Twitter? Um, you can connect with me at Sean Kilpatrick underscore on Twitter. So, fans, make sure you connect with this man. This man is, is on a journey uh, to make it to the NBA, and we'll see what happens. Sean, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Thank you. No problem. Take care. All right, you too. Sean Kilpatrick played for the Philadelphia 76ers Summer League. I mean, the, the guy has proven throughout his collegiate career that he is a legitimate scorer, that he can put the ball in the basket. And he's pre, he did it in Summer League. I mean, he had a nice Summer League run for the Philadelphia 76ers. Should be interesting to see if he gets an opportunity. I mean, I look at the Philadelphia 76ers, the one thing that they do need is shooting guard. And, and I know he said he's a combo guard, but at the end of the day, he, he, we'll see what happens in terms of his position, but the Sixers do need a shooting guard. And I know that's one of the reasons I was reading articles about the guy. I know that's one of the reasons that he decided to choose the Philadelphia 76ers because they needed some shooting guards. And we'll see what happens with Sean. I mean, obviously, he can put the ball in the basket, and that's a big thing. You can put the ball in the basket. You can play a long time in this league. And this guy seems to have a great attitude. So we'll see what happens with Sean. Moving forward, great talking to Sean Kilpatrick. And, again, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Sean Kilpatrick underscore and support all the great things going on with Sean Kilpatrick. Let's go. Let's, I was going to go to Stephen A. Smith. Let's go there now. Let's go to Stephen A. Smith thing. Um, you know, last week we, we, all, we all heard his comments numerous times, and Stephen A. Smith ultimately was suspended, was suspended uh, for a week by, the, by ESPN. And, you know, you, you thought, let me, let, let's, let, let's go back to the story. Let's go back to what he said and everything. First of all, I was watching the show live. I was, I was watching the show live. And when he said it, you know, it was kind of something that he said in the past. And it, and it was, in general, really not that big of a deal. I didn't really make much of it, what he said. I, I just, it was kind of in one ear and, and, and out the other pretty much. And I, it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't at all. And, you know, I, I wake up, and not wake up, but, uh, you know, a few year, a few, maybe a few hours later, I'm listening to a radio and I'm here, uh, you know, hosting Philly talking about, um, talking about uh, Stephen A. Smith's comments and, you know, and talking about, you know, maybe they were a little questionable. But, what really, you know, I thought that what really kind of took this over the top, if you will, what kind of got this story going was pretty much Michelle Beadle's tweets. Her tweets about this whole story, pretty much, if you look at it, her tweets about Stephen A. and what he said pretty much, in my opinion, got Stephen A. suspended in my mind. Because to me... We heard it before. We've heard these comments out of Stephen A. Smith before in terms of what happened, you remember, with Chad Johnson. That was back in 2012 with Chad Johnson talking about Evelyn Lozada and that whole situation. He talked about, you know, uh, that whole situation, talked about her history, her past. And, you know, here's the thing. I, I think Stephen A. Smith, what he was trying to do was trying to have a larger discussion about 
this issue about domestic violence. You know, in terms of the situation with Ray Rice, and let's get down to it. At the end of the day, we could talk about provocation and, and provoking and things of that nature. But here's the deal. The ultimate provoking, the ultimate provocation is hitting. So if a female hits a male, that's the ultimate provocation. No getting around that. That's the ultimate provocation. But at the end of the day, no matter that, a man should not hit back unless he feels like his life is in danger. Other than that, a man should never hit back. Never. Let's be clear. You don't hit back. You know, I tell my son all the time, you don't hit girls. Bottom line, point blank, you don't hit girls. You don't do it. And so you look at the situation. You look at how everything went down. I think Stephen A. Smith was just trying to have a larger discussion about the issue. And he's on first take, and, you know, there seem to be about the issues and talking about things, talk about uncomfortable things. But to me, having discussions about things, about certain issues is a beautiful thing. And, you know, ESPN, their statement, are saying that his, his point of view doesn't represent the, com- the, the company and what the company's belief is. But you hired him so he can give his beliefs, so he can give his opinion. Bottom line, point blank, I don't think this happens unless if Michelle Beadle doesn't tweet out the things that she tweets out, it doesn't happen. And I think her tweets, as far as I'm concerned, were just kind of a little over the top. They were a little over the top. Her tweets were a little over the top. They really were. They were over the top. That wasn't remotely what he was trying to say. He wasn't trying to say what her tweets said. I mean, she said, hey, in one of her tweets, quote, I'm thinking about wearing a miniskirt this weekend. Hate to think what I'd be asking for by doing so. At Stephen A. Smith, hashtag, don't provoke. I mean, come on. That's not what he was saying. And it was so extreme. He was just talking about, here's the thing. And, and I think if we want to talk about provocation, I think in terms of the Ray Rice story and the Ray Rice situation, provocation is a big part of it. Not a big part of it, but it was, it's a part of it. It's a part of it, definitely. Because there are reports that she may have hit first or, or spit on him or, or something of that nature. So, and it doesn't excuse Ray Rice hitting back. It doesn't. Because Ray, this girl, a little girl, little woman, I should say, and, and Ray Rice is a big man, a football player, a beast. Ray Rice, is punch, Ray Rice punches me, I'm going to be hurt. Ray Rice hits me, I'm going to be hurt. So you look at, from that standpoint, you look at it, and I say this, I say this. The ultimate provocation is hitting. That's the ultimate provocation. Anything else, it's in terms of you know getting in someone's face or, or cursing at them or, or things of that nature, anything else is up for debate. But the ultimate provocation is hitting. It's just like Whoopi Goldberg said, and, and I was wondering if Whoopi would get suspended. You know, that's a, a Disney-owned. The View is on a Disney-owned station. ESPN is owned by Disney. ABC is owned by Disney. So you figure that maybe Whoopi would get suspended. She didn't. And I don't think her, her comments were pretty much, if you hit a man, 
you know, you might expect to get hit back. And, and here's the thing about that. That is kind of, I mean, you know, obviously men are not supposed to do that, but not every man subscribes to, if you hit me, I'm going to walk away. Not every man subscribes to that. Not every man does. Obviously, Ray Rice was, was absolutely wrong. But his wife, who was his fiancée at the time, she did say, she did say that she regrets her, her role and what happened on that day, on that night. I'm sure they all do. They all regret what happened. And I hope that Michelle, that, uh, not Michelle Beadle, that um, Ray Rice learns a valuable lesson. I hope that his wife learns a valuable lesson. I hope, I hope, I hope. But we'll see. Hopefully we won't hear from this situation ever again. And, and here are some more Michelle Beadle's tweets. I gave you one of them. Here's another one. Quote, so I was just forced to watch this morning first take. A, I nev- I, I'll never feel clean again. And B, I now aware that I can provoke my own beating. Here's another one of her tweets. I was in an abusive relationship once. I'm aware that men and women can both be the abuser. To spread a message that we not provoke is wrong. Violence isn't the victim's issue, it's the abuser's. To insinuate otherwise is irresponsible and disgusting. Walk away. Here's something, you know, here's, here's, here's the reality of it all. Here's the reality of it all. And I think this kind of sums it up perfectly. I don't, there should not, no one should hit no one. We should not be hitting anybody. Everybody should keep their hands to themselves. I shouldn't hit you. A man shouldn't hit a woman, and a woman shouldn't hit a man. At the end of the day, everybody needs to keep their hands to themselves. No one should hit. No one. And that's, and, and, and that's bottom line, point blank. Obviously, you're going to have dudes out here who are going to hit on uh, females regardless. You're going to have those dudes out there who, who are just those type of dudes who are bad guys. Because obviously you're hitting on females. You're a bad person. There's no getting around it. There's no excuse for it. Hitting on females, no excuse for it. No excuse for ever laying your hands on a female. Ever, ever. And at the end of the day, there's no excuse for any female to lay their hands on a man. Stephen A. Smith's comments, to me, were minor. I listened to it once. I listened to it live, and I didn't think much of it. I listened to it again, and I didn't think much of it. And I thought, and do I think he feels, he apologized, obviously, and he said it's the most egregious mistake he's made in his career. Do I believe he actually honestly feels that way? I don't Think so? Because it said it before. I think the bottom line with this whole situation is this. I think the bottom line is this. I think ESPN pressured him to make that uh, apology. And at the end of the day, Stephen A. Smith has a nice job at first take, making decent money. And, you know, is really, I mean, first take is really uh, a ratings winner. A lot of people like first take. It's really getting it done ratings-wise. So I, I get it. It's a popular show. 
So at the end of the day, I don't blame Stephen A. for going out there and apologizing. If he meant it or didn't mean it, I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him for apologizing. He had to do what he had to do to keep his job. He had to do what he had to do to, to keep his position and continue to make the money that he's making and continue to have the success that he's having. So I, I don't blame him one bit for what ha- for, for um, apologizing. I really don't. But I thought after he apologized on Monday, I, I thought he was kind of out of the woods in terms of a suspension. I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't think a suspension was coming. Kind of surprised, but I was kind of surprised by it. And I know over the weekend a lot of people are talking, maybe this is the end for Stephen A. Smith. Maybe he gets fired. Well, he survived that, obviously, but he couldn't survive a suspension. And now he's going to be he's off the air for a week. But here's the thing. There is a, a journalism conference, National Association of Black Journalists, in, in um, Boston this weekend. So you figure he's probably going to be up there and may have been there to begin with. So, I mean, you know, and and there is no telling whether or not he's paid on this. I mean, when the the question was asked to ESPN whether or not this was a paid or unpaid suspension, ESPN didn't uh, reveal the details in terms of whether it was paid or unpaid. So it's a possibility this is a paid, almost a paid vacation for Stephen A. But I wonder now, moving forward and watching First Take and watching that show, and I think one of the, the beauties of that show is that, you know, kind of, you know, the, the way that they tackle the issues. And, you know, in a, in a lot of ways they're, they're pretty honest and pretty candid about the way they tackle the issues. But here's, I, I guess, you look at, here's one of the, the dangers of that particular show. You know, when you, when you touch all different type of topics, some of your opinions and your beliefs may not be popular, and may not be, it could be dangerous, pretty much, and could get you in trouble. I mean, what he said really, I didn't think was going to get him in trouble. I really didn't. What he said to me was fairly innocent. It was fairly innocent, I thought. And maybe he could have articulated it a little better, maybe. Maybe just a smidge better. But I think you got the gist of what he was trying to say. And... There was not at any point in that conversation where he said or or even condoned any type of violence towards women. He reiterated and reiterated and reiterated the point that there's never any excuse to hit a woman at any time, at any period. So he said it. So I thought at that point, okay, what he's going to say to me was, I thought it was innocent. I really... Well, it was shocked when the suspension went down. I was shocked when the uproar, when there was a big uproar, because again, past practices would te- past practices would tell you that it was acceptable and okay for him to say that because he said it before. So past practices would say, okay, this guy has said something similar in the past. So past practices would say, okay, it's okay what he said. It's fine. ESPN was fine with it. Everybody was fine with what he was saying. But I think here's the thing. Here's the thing about, and here's the thing that I don't like that's happening in our society. I, I don't like how, you know, the popular opinion is the one everybody rides with. But as soon as someone comes with some kind of dissenting opinion, and it's a, and it's a little controversial, it, it it kind of blurs the line. But as soon as someone comes with something different, it becomes a big problem. Becomes a big issue. 
Tony Dungy last week, it became a big problem, a big issue, when he was talking about the Michael Sam situation. And all the reason it became a big problem and a big issue, in my opinion, is because of Tony Dungy's, you know, his, his religious, religious affiliation. And just over the years, his, 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 uh, you know, we've known Tony Dungy as being a religious man. That's what we've, we've known from Tony Dungy, uh, being a religious man. And, and so that's been our history with Tony. That's been our history. So you look at that and, and what he said and the uproar that that caused, and then you look at the situation with Stephen A and the uproar that that caused. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we look at domestic violence, and, and there's many different sides to the story. You got some women like Whoopi Goldberg who says, "You know what? If you hit a, if you hit a man, expect to get hit back." Pretty much, that's the bottom line. You know what I mean? That that's the ultimate. Again, hitting is the ultimate provocation. Hitting. You hit. At the end of the day, man should not hit back. But I don't think any of us can be surprised if he does. And so this whole Ray Rice story, this whole Ray Rice situation, I mean, it's kind of taking a life of its own. You know, it, it just keeps going on and on. And, and, and Stephen A., intentionally or unintentionally, um, Stephen A. pretty much kept this issue going. And also, a lot of people were, were, were none too happy about his suspension. As I said last week, I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem at all with it. I mean, the bottom line is this. I, I think, to me, obviously Roger Goodell and Roger Goodell talked to Ray Rice and his wife. They talked to his wife. Um, so with, with that being said and talking to his wife, they, both of them, Ray Rice and his wife, Janae, both sat down with Roger Goodell. Obviously, Roger Goodell was happy with what he heard from him. Obviously, you know, there, there's some other video that, uh, in the elevator that we didn't see that, you know, maybe Goodell and the NFL were privy to. And so I, I think at the end of the day, those guys were happy with what they heard. They were okay with it. So at the end of the day, if they were okay with it, Roger Goodell was okay with what he saw in the video, then I'm okay with it, and I thought the two-game suspension was fine. But we'll get back to that in a moment. When we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Houston Rockets guard Scotty Hobson. We're listening, you're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can kept married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Rocky. (laughs) That's called brother. 
All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. We're going to bring in a guy now uh, who's kind of had a, a, a crazy uh, few weeks, crazy few weeks. Um, you know, he's got traded a lot, got traded three times. In about a span of four to five days, actually pretty crazy, pretty crazy. And uh, we're going to talk to him about it. Let's bring him in now, Houston Rockets guard, Scotty Hobson. Scotty, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. Scotty, let's get right down to it, man. I mean, you were traded three times in about four days, traded from Cleveland to Charlotte to Charlotte to New Orleans to New Orleans, ultimately to the Houston Rockets. How crazy was that for you? I mean, extremely. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was really it was really only like two days. For real, for real. It, it all happened so fast from one team, jumping from one team to the next. But um, at the end of the day, man, I'm, I'm still in the NBA. I'm still living my dream. And, I mean, I'm so I'm so happy to be a part of Houston Rockets. Like, it, it's just all a blessing to me. So, I, I'm happy. I'm happy with things are going right now. Now, did you fly into any of those cities before? Did you fly into any of those cities? No. Nah, see, we were already out in Vegas at the NBA Summer League. So, as transactions were happening, um, it was just paperwork that needed to be, you know what I'm saying, that take taken care of. But I was... I was still in Vegas at the time, and that we were just seeing what team I was going to finish with. So after all the trades went through, I ended up I ended up sticking with the Rockets, and so I just joined the organization and their program out there, and uh, we went from there. Now, right now, you are property of the Rockets, but we'll see what happens with that. But at this point, what have the Rockets told you about your future? Oh, they're looking forward to me coming in and, um, you know what I'm saying, battling for a spot, and, and uh, we'll take it from there. They just basically told me it's in my hands, and, shoot, if, if I can help the team, they'll keep me, and if, if not, you know what I'm saying, we'll go otherwise. But I think I got a pretty good shot of making that roster and joining that team and being a part of their success because, I mean, they're, they're a very successful franchise. I will, I will, it'll be such an honor and, and, a, and, a, and a privilege to be a part of that team. Now, last year you played for the Miami Heat Summer League team. This year you played pretty much a half with the Cleveland Cavaliers because of all the trades. Do you feel like not playing that much in Summer League is a missed opportunity for you? Uh, sometimes I look at it like that. But, I mean, I played basketball all over the world, man. I've been overseas for right. three years. You know what I'm saying? I did. The, I had college for, for a few years. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got, a, I got a lot of experience under my belt, and I know how to play this game. So, I don't look at it as like missed opportunities. I just look like they just haven't had a chance to see me yet. So, but at the end of the day, man, it's going to all take care of itself. I'm out here just working hard to, to just be the best basketball player I can be, be the best person I can be, honestly. So, I think it'll all work. It'll, it'll all play out how it's supposed to be at the end. And and then at the end of the day, as you say, you're playing in the NBA. You have an opportunity to play in the NBA, so life can't be half bad. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I'm still living my dream, still doing exactly what I want to be doing. So, like I said, I'm just taking it a day at a time, man. Taking it a day at a time. We're talking to Rockets guard Scotty Hobson. And, Scotty, last season you got an opportunity with the Cavaliers. I mean, usually guys who come in at the time that you came in, usually they get 10-day deals, but you earned a two-year, $3.8 million contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ultimately, you played in the D-League. How do you feel you played in the D-League last year? Uh, well, I only, I only played a few games, but I thought I played well. I mean, from the, from the feedback I was getting from the coaches and, you know what I mean, just the interaction between the coaches and my players, I, it seemed like I was playing pretty, pretty
pretty well. I mean, we were being successful. We were in the playoffs, so I, I thought things was going smoothly. And you made some good money, man, uh, you know, for, for that little bit of time. Uh, <laughs> good situation. Good absolutely, situation, I mean, absolutely, a great situation. <laughs> now, as you said, you got it done overseas. You played in Israel last season. You averaged 17 points, five boards per game. Talk about your time in Israel. Uh, my time in Israel was amazing, man. I, I never really expected the um, the Holy Land, you know, what I'm saying, to really be like that. I mean, the weather was beautiful. You got the Dead Sea. You got you got the Black Sea there. You got the food is good. The people are warm and uh, very warm, very welcoming people. So, and it, it was a lot of great great things to see, man. It was it was an amazing time over there. So, I really enjoyed that time being overseas. All my countries I did Greece as well, and and Turkey. So. I enjoyed it all, man. It's just amazing what that bat, what this basketball, that little round ball can, can do, what it, what the places they can take you in life, man. For sure. Did you have a favorite? Uh, it's tough to say. Probably would be Israel, but it, it's tough to say. Because okay. basketball-wise, I would have to say Turkey because I, we, we played multiple countries. Like, I played in, I played in Spain, Greece, you know, uh, Russia, Ukraine. We played... Germany, we played all over when I was in Turkey. So, basketball-wise, I learned the most in, in Turkey by far. We're talking to Rockets guard Scotty Hobson. One thing I know about your game and notice about your game is your athleticism, your ability to get to the basket. Talk about your game and talk about what you bring to the table. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I I certainly use my athletic ability. I mean, it's a lot of great athletes out here, but I I certainly I try to use mine to to, to the fullest and maximize that as much as I possibly can. I got a first step. A pretty quick first step to go along with that, so that also helps on the defensive end as well. You know what I'm saying? Getting, getting back to my defenders, getting closing out, uh, running down shots, getting the passing lane. So, I mean, I, I certainly use my athletic ability and my instincts to uh, to help me better myself on the basketball floor. And, and speaking of athleticism, you won the dunk contest out there in Israel. Talk about that. Yeah, it's nothing like the NBA slam dunk contest, but I mean, I, <laughs> it is a tro- it is a trophy that I took home, and I'm proud of that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what 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 kind of dunker are you? What kind of dunks did you do down there? Uh, did a few three sixties and like um between the legs. I I, just, I I did some dunks that look like. It, it 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 was like I did like a lot of acrobatic type of dunks. See, I'm more so of an okay. in-game dunker now, more so than I am a dunk contest right. dunk. That'll probably that'll probably be my last dunk contest. I want to go out on with a win, so that'll probably be the last one I I, I can I participate in. <laughs> Let me ask you this: You played with the Heat last year, summer league. You you were supposed to play with the Cavaliers this year, summer league. And the thing about it, it seems like man, everywhere LeBron goes, you tend to miss it. You tend to miss playing with LeBron. <laughs> What's going on yeah. with that? <laughs> I mean, he 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 living his own lane, and I'm living in mine, man. I mean, the way things are playing out, you know what I'm saying? We 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 right there neck and neck, but I mean, it, it, we're not getting opportunities, so I, I ain't really mad about it. You know what I'm saying? He he living his world. I mean, to be able to play with the greatest player in the world right now, arguably, would have been a blessing. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, like I said, I'm I'm so excited and happy about being with the Houston Houston Rockets franchise. And, we got great players, James Harden and Dwight Howard, and so right. those two guys. I, I know I can learn so much from them and their professionalism. So it's it's just it's a blessing, I man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Now, at the end of the day, what do you feel like you need to do 
to make the Houston Rockets? So what needs to happen? What do you need to do to make the Rockets? Uh, I mean, I'm going to continue to be a great teammate and very, stay very coachable, you know what I'm saying? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just use my, my, my abilities and, and out there on the basketball floor as I've always been. First of all, I'm going to just try to be a lockdown defender. I know coming in, I mean, I'm not going to have to score 20 points, 10, 15 points of that nature. We got great scores on the, on our front line. So I'm not really worried so much about putting up huge numbers. I'll just contribute where I can on the offensive end, but I'll certainly make sure I'm a lockdown defender. Sounds good. Scotty, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Scotty Hobson on Twitter? Yeah, you can get me at that Twitter at uh, shobson32, man. Check me out. So, fans, support all the great things going on with Scotty Hobson and make sure you hit him up on Twitter at shobson32. Scotty, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, man. Scotty Hobson, Houston Rockets guard. And an interesting few weeks with Scotty Hobson. Interesting few weeks for him. I mean, he's been over the map. He's been all over the map. Many different places. Been around the world. Not around the world, actually, because, he, as he said, he didn't go to any of those cities. But he's been traded to all those different cities. And, you know, obviously an interesting journey, journey, I should say, for Scotty Hobson. And hopefully we wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Hopefully he can catch on with the Houston Rockets. And it's a great opportunity for him, obviously. Um, and, you know, as he said, Houston's a, a team with, with – James Harden and, and Dwight Howard, so there is an opportunity for him to have a level of, you know, if he can ha- if he can catch on with that team, obviously he can uh, be a part of a winning situation, and maybe for him, you know, have an opportunity to to win a title with the Houston Rockets. There, you know, Dwight Howard, James Harden, those are big time guys, big time, and guys who you know have had some good seasons in the NBA, and obviously you look at the Houston Rockets, they are a team that. I don't want to say there's they're they're well I'll look at it this way. They're they're a team that is there. You know, they're obviously gonna make the playoffs. They did lose Chandler Parsons, but they did add Trevor Ariza. They're gonna be there. Do I call them is there are, are are they my favorite coming out coming out of the West? I don't think so. You know, I, I look, again I look at um right now you gotta look at San Antonio. Right now, you have to look at um, not only San Antonio, but you also have to look at uh, uh, I can't even think right now. OKC, OKC. You got to look at OKC and 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 that team, obviously, with Durant and, and Westbrook and those boys. But also, you know, you, you got the Clippers as well. So there are teams out west who I think at this point are better are better than the Houston Rockets. But we'll see. I mean, Dallas after some of the moves they made, getting to Chandler Parsons, I mean, adding to Tyson Chandler. I mean, so, so you look at Dallas, and you've got to say that they're better moving forward. Definitely you have to say they're better. But we'll see how it all plays out. should be very, very interesting. And, and you know, obviously for him, Scotty Hobson, I hope he can catch on with the Houston Rockets. Ray Rice, we spoke about Stephen A. Smith and his comments uh, related to Ray Rice, but Ray Rice did talk today at training camp, and and at this point, he did say, this is a one-time incident. This is a one-time incident. And uh, moving forward, he says he wants to be an ambassador against domestic violence. So, and I looked at some of it. I I looked at some of the things that he said. 
excuse me, he said it was the biggest mistake of his life. And, you know, obviously it was a big mistake. And, you know, at the end of the day, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You look at the whole situation with Ray Rice, and, and you hope that this was just an isolated incident. You hope that there has never been any type of instances of Ray Rice putting his hands on Janae Palmer or any other woman, Janae Rice, I should say, or any other woman for that matter. You hope this is a one-time incident. And, and I hope moving forward that Ray Rice learns a valuable lesson. I hope moving forward that Ray Rice can become a better person. I hope moving forward that Ray Rice truly can become an ambassador for domestic violence and, and, and become a guy who is out there speaking against domestic violence and, and doing his part doing his part to help stem the tide and, and, and stop domestic violence in this country, in this world, in this society. Hopefully he can do that. Hopefully he's one of those guys who can be out there in the forefront changing things, changing things and, 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 and helping people, helping men, helping women deal with this issue. Hopefully he can be out there in the forefront. It'll, it'll, it would be great. I mean, it, it's similar to, to Michael Vick and, you know, him being out there in the forefront and, and helping, uh, you know, to stem the tide with dogfighting. You hope that Ray Rice can turn this negative into a positive. You hope. You hope that this is just a one-time incident. You hope. And for his, you know, for his sake, moving forward, you know, in terms of his football career, but in terms of his life, in terms of keeping himself out of trouble, keeping himself out of jail, for that matter. So you hope that this is a one-time incident. You hope. You hope. But we'll see. And again, as I said before, I believe that this was the proper suspension. I think Roger Goodell, here's the thing, and a lot of people want to compare it to Josh Gordon, a lot of people want to compare it to all the other Various drug suspensions, but here's the thing for me. I, I, I think you almost have to leave this. You can't really compare cases, and I think you have to leave this situation as is. Leave, put it in a vacuum, and just focus on this particular situation. Nothing outside of that. Let's focus on this situation. Ray Rice and his wife talked it out. Not talked it out. They worked it out. Ray Rice and his wife ultimately were married. Ray Rice and his wife are, are moving forward together as a unit. So at this point, whether you agree, disagree with the suspension, I believe the outside things, the, 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 the situation with how they worked it out, to me that means, something. that means something to me. They worked it out. That means something to me. That, that's important to me. I don't know what it is to you, but to me they worked it out. That means something to me. That means that their relationship may have, been, may have gotten stronger because of it. Now, and I'm not, so at the end of the day, only person, the reality, this is between Ray Rice and Janae Rice. And to me, I always look at it this way. I look at the situation with Josh Brent and what happened there in that whole situation. I forgot that, uh, you know, his, the mother of, of Josh Brent's victim or Josh Brent's best friend. Well, she was for Josh Brent getting a second chance. 
She was for it. She was all for it. And at that point, because she was for it, my belief was, looking at the situation, Josh Brent, in my opinion, shouldn't go to jail. Because you know why? The person, the person, Jerry Brown, his mother, she was the one that said she forgives him, wants to see him have his, get a second chance in life. If she could say that, because she is the victim, the ultimate victim. She lost her son. If she can say that, then what am I to say? If she believes that Josh Brent should be given another opportunity to move on with his life, play football, so on and so forth, if she said that, then I have to ride with her. I, I have to ride with it. And that's the same situation I'm going to go here. And I know a lot of times within domestic violence you have situations where the, the woman will stick up for the, for the husband. You, you see it all the time. The woman will say, it's my fault. You know, I played a role in this, that, and what have you. But obviously, Roger Goodell sat down with these two people, talked to them, and he saw something. I'm not saying Roger, Roger Goodell's God, but he saw something. I'm not saying he, he knows it all, but he saw something. So he sat down and he saw something within those, between those two. He saw something within that relationship. What he saw, I don't know. But he saw, I guess, the, there, that there was a level of forgiveness. So as far as I'm concerned, Janae Palmer, Janae Rice now, has forgiven them. They're together. They're a unit. Janae Rice's family has forgiven him. They're together. They're a unit. They're all together. They're all a unit at this point in time. I, I'm not here. At the end of the day, I think the suspension was appropriate. And I'm not going to compare it to the drug suspension because obviously those drug suspensions are ridiculous. No one should be getting a year's suspension for smoking weed. No one, obviously. That, 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 that's obvious. But that's something that the NFL needs to look at. But we can, again, I talked about this last week, but that could be a larger issue on how we view drugs in our society and how we criminalize drugs and criminalize marijuana in our society. So that's a larger issue. The NFL... And our country, you could say, has the same issue in terms of how they view drugs and how they criminalize marijuana. So, you know, you can get on the NFL all you want, but if you're going to get on the NFL, you need to get on your country. You need to get on your elected officials. So I was okay with the suspension. I'm, I'm fine with two games. Two games is good enough for me. The second hour of Go For it starts right now. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs time. In the playoffs time, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know what? I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. Ah! 
<laughs> we see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just yeah, don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's that Roxy. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thank very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back on Go For Second hour starting right now. In his hour, respect to be joined by Philadelphia 76ers guard Tony Roten. Tony's having a skills camp, skills academy, a second annual skills academy out there in Seattle, Washington. So we're going to talk to him about that. We're also going to talk to him about the season that he had with the Philadelphia 76ers. Philadelphia 76ers, you know, rough season. And I'm a lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan, so it was a rough season for me. I guess I could say we, right, me. It was, it, was, it was a rough season for me. It was a rough season, you know, watching that kind of basketball. But here was the thing. Here's the thing. I was cool with it. I was okay with it. I was happy with it. You know why? Because I was okay with the Sixers doing what they had to do in order to improve their situation moving forward. The Philadelphia 76ers were no man's land, Atlanta Hawks land, as I like to say. That, that's what they were in. And in order to get out of that, see, the NBA is like this. You've got to get bad to get worse. You've got to get real bad to get worse. Not worse, but you've got to get real bad to get better. You've got to be bad to be better. That's the life. That's the reality of the situation in the NBA. Be bad to be better. And that's what happened with the Philadelphia 76ers. And we'll see what happens. They did select Joel Embiid. And we'll see what happens with Embiid. And we'll see how many games he plays this year. But they didn't draft Joel Embiid for this season. They drafted Joel Embiid for uh, for the future seasons, obviously. But we'll see what happens. Josh Gordon. And we, we talked about Ray Rice and his suspension, two games. Obviously, there are a lot of people who believe that that two-game suspension was a little much. Well, excuse me, a little too, too, too lenient. Not enough. Again, I've been on record in saying it was enough. But you compare it to Josh Gordon and, and his situation, it's probably, if you compare it to Josh Gordon, you have a big problem with Ray Rice's suspension. But I think in a vacuum, I'm okay with it. But anyway, you look at the Josh Gordon situation. Um, tested positive for marijuana. Now, his appeal's tomorrow. And right now, his team is, is looking to put something together. Looking to put something together. And you look at his case. First of all, he's trying to claim secondhand smoke, and no player has ever, has ever, has ever won with that argument. It's never happened yet in the history of the NFL. But I look at this. To me, Ray Rice's situation may help Josh Gordon because this. I mean, there is a big-time outrage over the Ray Rice suspension. But also, again, comparing it to Josh Gordon's suspension, it does – Josh Gordon's suspension looks absolutely ridiculous. I mean, 12 – I mean, a year, 12 months, a year, going for a year, going for a year for marijuana. Now, here's the thing, whether secondhand smoke or, or not, you're an NFL player. You've got to watch the places that you go to. You've got to watch the people that you associate with. You can't, if, if the league tells you that you can't smoke weed, then you can't smoke weed. And to me, you know, anything other, anything other than that is just ridiculous. If the league says you can't do it, you can't do it. And if you choose to do it, 
Obviously, there's a price to pay. And if you choose to do it knowing that there's a possibility that you could be suspended for a year, well, you're a lot dumber than I thought. Now, you look at his sample. You look at his sample. His first sample tested a nanogram over the limit in the NFL. His, his, his first sample, sample A, was 16, gram, 16 nanograms per millimeter. You look at the threshold. The threshold is 15 nanograms per millimeter. So he was just one point over that. Also, you look at his B sample. His B sample, same specimen, came back lower, 13.63. So obviously that's below the threshold. At this point, it looks like his attorneys are, are looking to have some witnesses testify that Josh Gordon was breathing secondhand smoke. And scientific study, science, science has told us, science has told us that secondhand smoke can result in the kind of test similar to Josh Gordon. So, and you look at, in comparison to other leagues, other leagues, you look at in comparison to other leagues, his, his number would it have been negative for other professional sports, like, like uh, Olympics and like baseball. So like Olympic testing and baseball testing, and those are strict testing. Those are some strict tests. And he falls below that threshold. He, he would be fine. He would be considered negative if you look at it from that standpoint. He would also, in terms of current workplace standpoint, current workplace standards, excuse me, so... If I were to get a job and, and my uh, sample was 16 nanograms, I'm good if I'm going for a regular job. If I'm going for an NFL job, I'm not good. I'm not good if I'm going for an NFL job. If I'm going for a regular job, I'm good. If I'm trying to play professional baseball with that sample, I'm good. If I'm trying to be in the Olympics, I'm good with that particular sample. But we'll get back to that in a moment. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Philadelphia 76ers guard Tony Roten. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. In the playoffs time, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. (laughs) We've seen what you can do. We've seen it. (laughs) I would never bring my wife around, too. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. 
All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. Now, last season, Philadelphia 76ers had a lot of struggles. I mean, they were not a very good basketball team, had the second-worst record in basketball, including a 26-game losing streak. But one of the bright spots, in my mind, for the Philadelphia 76ers is this guy who we're about to bring in now. Let's bring him in now, Philadelphia 76ers guard, Tony Roten. Tony. How you doing? How are you, man? I'm doing good. It's out here in Seattle, you know, working out, enjoying this lovely weather. For sure, for sure. It's always raining out there, right? Yeah, but we've been getting lucky this summer. You know, we've been getting a lot of sun, a lot of great weather. Okay, all right. And, and Tony, let's get right down to it. Last season for you, a decent year for you as a reserve guard for the Philadelphia 76ers. You had a career-high 30 points in the game. You also messed around and had a triple-double. All in all, rate your play in 2014. Um, you know, I definitely feel like, you know, my year was definitely better than my previous year, the rookie, you know, just being able to, you know, get out there and being able to play, you know, because I consider this year being my rookie year, since so not playing my rookie year, real rookie year. So, right. you know, I definitely got, you know, I learned a lot, you know, still got a lot to work on and looking forward to next year. Now, as you said, you felt like it was almost your rookie year last season out there playing. What was it? Talk about the adjustment in terms of going from college to the NBA. How much different was it for you? Um, it was a big adjustment, you know, because going to the NBA, everybody was is the best, was the best in the college team. You know, everybody's athletic. You know, everybody can do this and that. So, you gotta, you know, be on your P's and Q's at all time, and you know, know that every there's no night days off. Every night you got a different. Point guard, guard, especially point guard position, you know, one of the toughest toughest guards. So it's definitely something you got to be ready for. Now, Tony, who are you? Are you a shooting guard? Are you a point guard? Brett Brown, your coach, believes that you are a point guard. Where do you see yourself? Point guard, shooting guard, combination guard? Definitely, you know, well, primary position is point guard, you know, but, you know, being athletic and, you know, being blessed and being tall, Tall point guard may also be able to play the two, you know, so combo guard also, you know, but, you know, being able to give through with a passing that I, you know, definitely want to be a point guard. We're talking to Philadelphia 76ers guard Tony Roten. And, Tony, long season for you guys last year. You had a 26-game losing streak. You only won 19 games last season. How tough was it for you dealing with all that losing? Um, it was tough, you know, definitely for me coming from Memphis where, I, you know, I got there watch firsthand of a very good basketball team make it deep in the playoffs. And, you know, when it came to Philly, you know, um, obviously wasn't winning a lot of games, so it was tough. But, you know, the one thing I loved about my teammates is, you know, we never got, you know, got used to losing. You know, if you if you came in our locker room before a game, we thought we was getting ready to play for the finals. You know, that's just how our mindset was. So, you know, we was on to the next. You know, we wasn't dwelling on the next loss or a close loss. You know, we just stayed together, and I feel like that's what helped us a lot. Now, did it bother you? I mean, the talk around the league, the Sixers were tanking, the Sixers were tank- tanking, essentially losing on purpose. Did all those things bother you, hearing those things? No, not really. You know, if it was more motivation than anything. You know, okay. the beginning of the season, you know, we wanted to lose in on tanking this, taking that. So, we, you know, we was trying to, you know, come out and win a lot of games, you know, just to just to show people that, you know, we're not really taking them. You know, obviously, you know, the wins didn't happen, but we still, you know, stayed together and wasn't worried about anything about tanking. 
We're talking to 76ers Gardner, uh, Tony Roden. And, Tony, losing can be hard. And, you know, from losing, you can learn a lot. What did you learn from last season? Um, definitely that, you know, you got to bring it every night, you know, because, uh, you know, season's long. And definitely when you get to the end of the season, you know, especially playing against playoff team, I believe. Went through a stretch in the end of the season. We played like seven straight playoff teams. And, you know, we just seen a big difference in how a team that's getting ready, you know, for a playoffs and a team that's not, not in the playoff race at all, you know. So it's definitely a league you got to be ready for every single day and night. Now, you guys will get back Nerlens Noel, and he did play during the summer league. You've seen him practice throughout the course of the season. What are you expecting out of Noel? Um, you know, being with him, you know, a whole year, you know, so I've, I've never really seen him play in college or high school, so, you know, I've really got a first hand, you know, watching him practice in summer league, and, you know, he's very athletic and, you know, got quick hands, block shots, and wanting to learn every day in practice, you know, so I'm expecting him to come out, you know, you know, and be the best of his ability. You know, he's a hard worker, so I know, you know, he's going to go out and give it all he got every, every time he steps on the floor. Now, Tony, you're 21 years old. You came in the league very young. How was the adjustment to NBA life for you? I mean, you're, you're a young guy, and you're around grown men. How was the adjustment for you? Um, the adjustment, you know, was pretty well. I definitely handled it well. You know, it wasn't, you know, as far as I expected for me, you know, being able just to have a good supporting cast, you know, tell you the do's and the don'ts and showed you the ropes, you know, early having mentors in the NBA. So it was a big jumping for me, and, you know, I handled it well. Was it was it difficult being away from home? At first it definitely was, you know, especially, you know, when I stay home for college, you know, so this is my first time really being away, you know. But as you get older, you realize, you know, you're more mature, and this is what you really want in life to be on your own. I mean, you're you're in Philly now. You're you're pretty much across across the country, man. Do you, do you get to see your family a lot during the season? Yeah. Uh, during the season, yeah, they, they come out, you know, to the you know, home stretches and big games, and you know, and in the summertime, you know, it's it's it's, it's tough because you know Philadelphia's so far, so I try to stay home as much as I can. But you know, Philadelphia, you know, is the team I play for, so you know, I definitely got to make trip out there. We're talking to 76ers guard Tony Roden. And, Tony, your dad played in the NFL. Your mom ran track. You know, I'm playing for the Glowtrotter, excuse me. And Nate Robinson is your cousin. So, obviously, that, that Roden bloodline is something special with that bloodline. What is it about that bloodline that produces athletes? Oh, oh no. You know, it's just, you know, it's in, the, it's in our genes. You know, we you know, love sports and football and basketball majority. You know, it's what we're good at. But like I said, it's just you see generation after generation, you know, all playing the same sport, and you growing up, and you want to be just like that and, you know, want to be better. So that's just where the athleticism comes from. And you got you just got a, just had a son now, so, I mean, we'll see what's in that bloodline. It's got to be that rotten bloodline. you got to keep it going. Yeah, definitely. You know, he definitely got to, he got to definitely take the torch. Let me ask you this, man. I've been, you know, I've been watching some clips, and I've seen a clip from the Seattle Pro-Am. I, I see a beautiful crossover from you, man. Talk about that crossover. Um, actually, you know, it really happened on an accident. You know, just just reaction. Okay. You know, I, I went to do a, do a move, and the defender played it well, but I just, you know, happened to counter. Use a counter move right after that, and it just clicked real well. 
for sure. I mean, it was, it was it was beautiful. It was sick out there. And uh, let me ask you this: I mean, you're out there playing in Seattle, playing with Jamal Crawford, playing with a lot of NBAers out there in Seattle. How is it? How is playing in the Seattle Pro Am? It's great. You know, we got a lot of great players. And from the state of Washington, that's not an NBA. That's also good. And then, you know, Jamal does a great, great job of getting other NBA players from across the country to come play, you know. So, you know, Seattle Program is definitely a household name now. And, you know, a lot of people want to come down here to play. So it's a, it's a great, great atmosphere and it's a great place to play. So Seattle going to rival New York at some point in terms of, a you know, basketball hotbed, in terms of, you know, big-time basketball players coming out of Seattle? Uh, no, you know, a lot of people don't don't really, you know, realize that, you know, Seattle has a you know, a lot of great basketball players in the league right now who was in the league, you know, so we don't really you know, get a lot of credit, you know, where it's due, but you For know, sure. definitely when it's you know, time to step on the court, you know, we always actually take care of ourselves. Now, Tony, you have your your upcoming Skills Academy coming up, second annual Tony Roten Skills Academy out there in Seattle, August eighth through the 10th. Tell us about it. Oh, you know, it's my second annual, you know, basketball camp that I do in my um, <clears throat> old high school in Seattle, Washington. You know, I do, you know, little kids during and during the day. And I do um, my high school division and at and during the evening. It's invite only. So, you know, the top kids um, from, the, from the state of Washington, and, you know, and I got some players from, you know, across the country, top of the country coming. So, you know, it's definitely, you know, giving back to the kids and giving back to my community and, you know, just trying to help the, you know, the youth get, get better. For sure. And, and Tony, let me ask you this now. Looking at the Philadelphia 76ers, looking at your team, obviously Noel's coming back. Obviously you drafted Joel Embiid. We'll see if he plays this year, but he's going to be a future uh, piece for you guys. And you also have Michael Carter-Williams. In your mind, what can we expect out of Philadelphia 76ers next season? I'm just, you know, just growth, you know, getting getting better, better each day and, you know, learning from last year, you know, um, last year was tough for us, you know, so we definitely don't want to go back to that again. And, you know, we have, you know, my, my Mike and when Nerland's coming back and being able to play, you know, we, you know, we should have a good, good chemistry and, you know, just a great group of guys and looking forward to next season. And as we said, you had a fairly successful season for the Philadelphia 76ers. You averaged 13 points per, ga- per game last season for the Sixers. What do, you need, what do you need to improve on moving forward? What do you feel like you need to improve on to become a better player? Um, really everything, you know, because, you know, I'm not perfect, you know, so I definitely, you know, work on everything. But uh, for me, you know, more of, you know, being more of a vocal leader, you know, because usually growing up and being in high school and college, I, I was really leading by example, you know, but, you know, just on my court, on the court. But honestly, you got to be real vocal, you know, because you see all the point guards, you know, being real vocal and talking to your possession. For sure. Now, as you said, we're, you're, you're having your, your second annual Skills Academy out there in Seattle. Are you expecting any other of any of your teammates or anybody else to come out there? Um, I have, you know, a lot of my fellow NBA players from Seattle, you know, coming, um, you know, special guest talk, you know, Jamal Crawford, you know, Isaiah Thomas, okay. Nate Robinson, you know, guys like that, you know, just to, you know, to share their story and, you know, to give back to, you know, the people that look up to them. For sure. Fans, make sure if you're in the Seattle area, make sure you go to his website, www.tonyrotencamp.com. Find out about this great camp that Tony Roten is having 
August 8th through the 10th out there in Seattle and support all the great things going on with Tony Roten. And the camp will be held at Garfield High School out there in Seattle, Washington. And also, follow this man on Twitter, at TRoten underscore L-O-E. Tony, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Thank you, man. No problem. I'm willing to do it anytime. For sure. Take care. All right. Tony Roten, guard for the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, again, make sure you go to his website, TonyRotenCamp.com. If you're out there in Seattle, you got a young kid out there in Seattle, uh, sign him up. Sign him up. You're going to be out there and you're going to see some NBA players, Isaiah Thomas, uh, now with the Phoenix Suns, Jamal Crawford. So you're going to see some NBA players and, of course, Tony Roten. So, again, TonyRotenCamp.com and support all the great things going on with Tony Roten. And also hit him up on Twitter at TRoten.LOE. Pleasure talking to Tony Roten. And you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, and again, again, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan, and I watched the Philadelphia 76ers last season. And I was okay with it, and, and that's fine. And, you know, obviously the talk is that the Philadelphia 76ers, they tanked last season, and I guess it's a legitimate argument that they did. But at the end of the day, a lot of teams have tanked over the years. I mean, let's, let's, let's not forget, a lot of teams – have tanked. The Boston Celtics tried to tank in order to get Tim Duncan. You can even argue the San Antonio Spurs when David Robinson was in and out in and out of the lineup that season. I know Sean Elliott was hurt a lot that season, but you can argue that they tanked. So the Rockets back in the eighties they tanked. So tanking is not something new in the NBA. And and uh, you know a lot of people, you know, talking to, a lot of people are looking at the Sixers and. What's going on with and and over the years and them? Well, last year, I mean, they tanked. The Sixers did tank, but a lot of people were. It's almost like they're blaming the Sixers for for tanking. The Sixers didn't invent invent tanking. The Seventy Sixers did not invent tanking. They didn't invent it. They just worked around the system. They know that in order for them to get better, they had to be worse. So they had to be a bad basketball team, and they were a bad basketball team. 19 wins is a bad basketball team. That's what they had to do in order to win. It was a part of rebuilding. It's a part of rebuilding, and I know the NBA is looking into possibly switching it up, switching it up how they do the lottery and tweaking it in a way to make it uh, where everybody who does, who does any team, I should say, that does not make the playoffs has an opportunity a better opportunity to get the number one pick. And that there's, according to some reports, the Sixers are opposed to it. They don't want them to change it now. They feel like we're, we're, already, we're already going towards the season. Why change it now? Wait till next year to change it. Wait till next year to change it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think the current system should stay. Because you know why? If you're a bad team, you should be given the opportunity to get the number one pick. Tanking aside, I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And will this change tanking? Maybe. It, it, maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But in any, you know, in the NBA, in the NFL, excuse me, teams tank. 
Teams were teams sucked for luck. I mean, teams tank. The bottom line is, you know, the NFL they didn't change anything. It's still the same. You have the worst record, you get the the best pick. And I love the lottery. Don't get me wrong, I love the lottery. I think it's intriguing, especially when you have big time prospects out there. When you had Andrew Wiggins, who and and Jabari Parker and and those guys, it made the lottery exciting. It made the lottery exciting. And you can even argue, well, we look at the last two seasons. Cavaliers didn't have the best record the last two seasons, but they got the best pick the last two seasons. So what's wrong with the lottery? Is there really anything wrong with the lottery? The Milwaukee Bucks, who had the worst record in basketball, didn't get the number one pick. The Philadelphia 76ers, who had the second worst record in basketball, didn't get the number one pick. So, in essence, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing wrong with the lottery. The lottery is fine. There's nothing wrong with the NBA draft lottery. Keep it the same. Maybe not. I don't know. You know, on one hand, I want to keep it the same because, as we said, the number one the, the, the team, the, the team like Cleveland, who won 33 games last season, got the number one pick. And they were not the worst team, obviously. They weren't the Philadelphia 76ers. They weren't the Milwaukee Bucks. So, in essence, the 76ers, in terms of getting the number one pick, didn't benefit from tanking. Well, you can argue this, they actually did get the number one pick, but they got it <laughs> as the third selection. You can argue that. That's what you can argue, that they got the number one pick, just got a little later. They got the number one, you could argue they got the number one pick two years ago with Norland's Noel. Just got a little later. That's all. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, here's the thing. I'm not uh, super opposed to changing it. I'm not. But I will say this. I will say this. Just judging by what we saw in the last two seasons, judging by how things went down the last two seasons, it's really not a big issue. It's really not a big issue. Because at the end of the day, the Sixers nor the Bucks got the number one pick. And you could say those two teams tanked the most. Boston was tanking as well. They just didn't tank good enough. But tanking, I mean, maybe this changes tanking. And I think the issue is the more the perception, the perception that's out there. I mean, you've got fans who, who go out there and pay for a ticket, pay, you know, use their hard-earned money to pay for a ticket. They want to see a decent product. But here's the thing. Fans also want to see a championship. In order to get a championship, sometimes you got to tank. In order for the Sixers to, to get better, they had to tank. In order for, um, you know, any team out there, it's the Spurs. I mean, you know, David, and there's questions of whether or not they truly tanked. I'm going to say they tanked. But, you know, in order for them to get Tim Duncan, you know, obviously it worked out. David Robinson didn't play a lot that season. Sean Elliott didn't play a lot that season. Ultimately, it led, it led to to the Spurs getting a high pick, the number one pick, and getting Tim Duncan and pretty much setting themselves up for five titles. Five titles. Five titles in, what, 15 years. So everything worked out. Everything worked out for the Spurs. It worked out for them. And we'll see if it works out for the Sixers with Joel Embiid and Nerlens Noel, pretty similar to the Spurs in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, that – uh, twin Tower look. 
But we'll see how what happens. Hopefully, if you're a Sixers fan, which I am, hopefully Embiid will come back, and hopefully his foot will be good to go, and hopefully the Philadelphia 76ers moving forward will have a big-time future. Hopefully. Hopefully. Let's go back to Josh Gordon now. And here's the thing. If you look at his, his sample, which was 16 nanograms per millimeter, and I sound smart, don't I? But 16 nanograms per millimeter. Well, guess what? The threshold is 15. So he's one point over. But, again, same sample, the B sample, the B sample, which many believe, you know, you would think the B sample would be pretty close and, and consistent with the A sample, but it wasn't. It went down a couple points, almost three points it went down to 13.63. So, obviously, if he, you know, he he's barely over the threshold, barely. And as I said before, as I pointed out before, baseball, you know, just, you know, the regular workplace. Um, you look at boxing, California and Nevada and their standards. You look at Olympic standards. If it was under those standards, then guess what? Josh Gordon would be in the clear. He'd be negative, and he'd be playing this year, and he'd be in a good situation. He'd be in a very good situation. But again, and Josh Gordon can ball, as we've seen. He can ball. He missed two games and still led the league in yards. That tells you something. He missed two games and had Jason Campbell, Brandon Whedon as his quarterback. So, I mean, I guess that, that tells you a lot. That tells you a lot. That tells you that he, he's a fairly special wide receiver. That tells you that he has some ability. That tells you that he can get it done. That's what that tells you. That's what that tells you. No matter the quarterback, he still got it done. No matter missing two games, he still got it done. So it didn't matter. It did not matter how many games he played. He got it done. So obviously, if you're Cleveland, you can't miss. You'll miss that big time, and you want that in your lineup. Just reading this, and I'm gonna be honest with you. Just reading this, I, I almost think they should just change it. Maybe not a full season. If you if if you want to give them eight, maybe eight. But it's almost like I know he does some. I know he has another situation pending out there. But I look at this particular situation, and I'm like, one point over, B sample, down almost three points, the NFL standard higher than baseball, higher than the Olympic standard, higher than, than most workplaces. And I say there, there seems something wrong with this. I, I, I believe that maybe this needs to be changed. Maybe the, it, it, whether it's a threshold or even whether it's just, you know, how we view marijuana in terms of the NFL. Something needs to change. Something should be different. Something. And it just doesn't seem right. It, it doesn't seem right. I, I know it is what it is. If you, it, again, again, if you smoke weed and you're not supposed to smoke weed, then it's an issue. 
and you're stupid because you have a lot of money to be made and you're messing around smoking weed. Also, not only that, not only that, but if you're, and let's just say secondhand smoke, again, if you're hanging out with people who are smoking weed and you know you can't smoke weed or, you know, there's a possibility you could test positive because of secondhand smoke, guess what? You probably shouldn't be around those people. You've got to be smarter, and I think that's the bottom line when it comes to Josh Gordon. You have to be smarter. You've got to be smarter, and I, I think that's the bottom line. Hopefully he'll get another chance, another opportunity. I would hate to see a guy be out for the whole season because of marijuana. I, I, would, I, that, that, I would hate it. I would hate it. But we'll see how it turns out for Josh Gordon. Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode. Well, Beast Mode is back. Marshawn Lynch is ending his holdout. He's coming back to the Seattle Seahawks. He's back. And, you know, Lynch, he wants a new deal. He wants a new deal. And uh, because, of he held, because he held out, um, he accumulated some fines, 500000 You wonder if they'll waive that because he came back. We'll see how that works out. But he believes he wants a new contract. He believes he deserves a new contract. And, you know, obviously two years left on his deal, and there's always a possibility after this year especially because his deal goes up, his deal goes up, his deal does go up, and then the cap number for next season, not this season, but the year after that is pretty high. So there's always the possibility that, you know, after this season, Marshawn Lynch doesn't see that last bit of money out there remaining on his contract because we all know how NFL contracts work. They're not guaranteed, so there's a possibility he may not see that final year's contract. And and so, you know, he's trying to do what he can do, basically, you know, to get a new deal, to get some more guaranteed money. You want to get more guaranteed money. You want to get more, you want more money in the NFL because there is no guarantees in this league, in the National Basketball, National Football, so National Football League, I should say. There's no guarantees. No guaranteed deals. So at the end of the day, they can say bye-bye, and the money is just that. The money is gone, and the contract is null and void. The contract becomes null and void. And so guys in the NFL, I don't blame any guy in the NFL that's doing what they've got to do to leverage things in order for them to get paid. I don't blame anybody in the NFL. I don't blame him. He's going to earn $5, five million this year in 2014. And then 2015, the final year of his deal, he's going to earn $5.5 million. And, you know, at, at this point, you look at Marshawn Lynch, 28 years old. Well, once you get to that 30 range, especially as a running back, we all know what happens. Once you get to that 30 range as a running back, you start to run into issues in terms of getting yourself paid. So Marshawn Lynch is a pro, at 28, approaching, you know, after this season he'll be 29 and be close to 30. This guy's got a lot of carrots. This guy has been toting the rock a lot for the Seattle Seahawks over the years. Beast mode. He's been toting that rock a lot. And, and so, you know, obviously the more you tote the rock, the more pounding on your body. 
the more pounding on your body, your career, obviously, you know, you're starting to shorten your career a little bit. And so Marshawn Lynch, he has a physical style running. He's not going to run around you. He's going to run over you. Guess what? That takes, you know, that's obviously some wear and tear on your body. Running over guys is wear and tear on your body. And his running style, because he's so physical with the way he runs, you look at the situation, you can understand why he's doing what he has to do to protect himself financially. Because obviously you can't do this forever. Can't play forever. I mean, this guy, you look at him over the years. Look at him over the years, especially the last two years. 315 carries. 301 carries last season. So the last two years, you're talking about a combined 616 carries for Monshawn Lynch over the past two seasons. So you look at that. You, you look at those amount of carries, and then you look at his physical style, the way he runs, you can understand Marshawn Lynch, and then you see other guys get paid, like a Jamal, Char- a Jamal Charles. You can you, you compare it to Adrian Peterson. I mean, Adrian Peterson, 279 carries last season. Marshawn Lynch, 315. So that's an additional 21, that's an additional, just trying to do the math, 46 carries. That's an additional 46 carries. That's about two games. That's about that's about two games. You look at I'm just looking at Adrian Peterson, you know, a big time running back, a guy you know is going to get a bunch of carries. You look at him over the past two seasons. We we have Marshawn Lynch at six sixteen in terms of the amount of carries he's had over the past two seasons. You compare it to Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson has more. Six twenty seven. But again, you look at Marshawn Lynch and you look at his running style. His style is physical, beast mode. It's physical. It's a physical style. And so you wonder how long the shelf life is for a guy who runs the way Marshawn Lynch runs. You, run, you wonder what the shelf life is for his style running. Because obviously, you wonder how long can he do it and at a high level. And if you're Seattle, let's let's be honest, anybody in the NFL, any team in the NFL, always looking to get younger and cheaper. Younger and cheaper is always the goal in the National Football League. Younger and cheaper. That's what you're looking to do. You're looking to get younger you're looking to get cheaper. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But that's what you're looking for in the National Football League. Younger and cheaper. And so, Marshawn Lynch, you can understand why he would try to get all the money he can. And you look at the amount of carries that he had, 301. Well, number one in that category was LaShawn McCoy, 314. Number two, beast mode, Marshawn Lynch. So he's second with 301 carries. So that's a heck of a workload. That's a heck of a workload. You look at 2013, 
301, and then 2012, 315. And 315, you look at 2012, that's third in football. That's third in football. It's a lot of carries, man. That's a lot of carries. 616 totes of the rock is a lot. It's a lot. So I understand Beast Mode. I understand him trying to get paid. And I'm on, I understand him trying to leverage what he's done over the past two seasons, what he's done since he's been in Seattle. I understand it. I respect it. Heck, I agree with it. You've got to do what you've got to do to get paid. And there's no guarantee. Only guarantee is that signing bonus. After that, that contract isn't even worth the piece of paper that's on because it can be ripped up at any point in time. Ripped up. And speaking of big-time contracts, Tyron Smith, left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, obviously a guy who was a pro bowler last season, a guy who's been getting it done for the Dallas Cowboys in his short career, 24 years old. He doesn't even turn 24 until December. So this guy now, big-time deal with the Cowboys, eight years, $110 million. That's a long time. It's a long time. He will receive a $10 million signing bonus. And within that deal, the guarantees are $40 million. $40 million for this guy. Obviously, you want lifetime security. You want security. And that's one of the reasons you do a deal like this. And you can understand it. I mean, some people will say, hey, man, why don't you wait a little longer? Because you look at, you look at a guy like Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas is making $12 million a year. You look at this deal. Over the life of the deal, you know, Tyron Smith is going to make about $10 million a year. So you, you look at that, and you're saying that, you know, basically he took less than maybe he could have gotten if he waited. But at the same time, looking at the violent nature of football and the uncertainty with this, with this game, anything is possible. Anything could happen. At any point in time, your career, one hit, your career could be over. It could be done. The end. Finished. You have nothing to show for financially. Well, he took a chance. And in some respect, did he not bet on himself? You can argue that. <laughs> Excuse me. You can argue that. But you also can argue, or just basically bottom line, say this. He's doing what he's got to do <laughs> Excuse me, to protect himself. Protect himself. And get as much financial gain as possible. And you remember Tyron Smith. I know Tyron Smith was a guy who had some issues with his family. And his family, you know, trying to get money from him. And it's been an issue for him. It's been a big time issue. <coughs> big time issue. And, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, with these athletes, you have this situation with, with family trying to get money from you. Because a lot of times, I mean, this guy, you remember this last year. It was, yeah, it was last year. Um, the situation with his, he was getting harassment calls from his mother and, and, you know, members of his family. You know, even physical threats. I mean, this guy had to get a restraining order. A restraining order. Uh, against people. He had to file a restraining order against his parents. Because his parents were bothering him about money. And so you wonder now, 
you know, you look at it, you know, his family, they try to get money from this guy. <laughs> they try to get money from him. And so you wonder now, and I know he's done some things, and he's, uh, according to reports, Jerry Jones has helped him in that particular issue. But you wonder now, with all this more money coming to him, what's going to happen? And, and you get the sense that maybe that situation has been nipped in the bud. But, you know, you look at last year, this guy was still open to, to reconciliation with his family, with his mother and his uh, stepfather. He was open to it. He was open to it. And, you know, you look at reports, you know, his his family threatened his girlfriend, threatened the well-being of him. So, and he even had a situation where his brother, a guy he hasn't seen in a while, showed up to Oxnard, California, showed up to Cowboys camp. You know, so it's obviously, and that guy had to be removed by the Cowboys. So obviously, and hopefully, he's nipped that in the bud because obviously now he's got more money coming his way. His family is taking a million dollars from him. Took more than a million from him. So they threatened him. Took money from him. I mean, that's got to be rough. That's got to be a tough situation. And that's kind of the other side of being a professional athlete. It's the side of pressure from your family. It's the side of everybody. You know, I want this. I want that. I need this. I need that. Give me this. Give me that. And then that's got to be frustrating because, you know, you're the one that's going out there, you know, putting your body on the line. You also know you have only a short period of time to make the amount of money necessary uh, uh, for you to hope, to maybe sustain you for the rest of your life. So the reality is, you know, that's the other side of it. And I heard Ryan Howard say, well, you know, would you want to switch places with me and be a professional athlete? And Ryan Howard's making a lot of money and has got a lot, about $60 million coming his way in the next few years. So maybe I wouldn't mind being a Ryan Howard. But, again, at the, at the same time, there's another side to being Ryan Howard. There's another side to being Tyron Smith. There's another side to being a professional athlete because you've got a lot of people grabbing at you. A lot of people trying to, you know, some people maybe trying to steal from you. Some people trying to take advantage of you. You had a lot of that. And so now, Tyron Smith, hopefully he's got that situation taken care of because now there's new money coming his way. There's new money coming his way. And this guy's not even eligible to become a free agent until he's 32 years old. And you look at it, you look at it, this guy ranked seventh according to Pro Football Focus, seventh among left tackles, seventh among tack- tackles, I should say, offensive tackles last season. And as we said, he has a good relationship with Jerry Jones. <clears throat> good relationship with Jerry Jones. So you, you couple the relationship with Jerry Jones, you couple the opportunity for him to have a little bit of financial security. And, you know, obviously this is for, for him it's the situation – Let's get the money now while it's out there instead of waiting. And and for him also, you look at it. Well, for the Cowboys, you look at an opportunity to lock up a guy who could be the who could turn into the best tackle in football. And if he does that, you have him locked up and locked down for an extended period of time. And again, left tackles are is a very difficult position to get. 
a very difficult position to solidify. The Cowboys, it took them a while to solidify that position. They had Flozell Adams, and after that, you know, they weren't able to solidify that position. Now the position is solidified with Tyron Smith. Also, the talk has been, okay, whether or not the Cowboys truly can still do something with Des Bryant. There's been some conflicting reports. I'm hearing NFL Network saying that, no, they still can't do anything with Des Bryant because of their cap situation. And I'm, I'm reading uh, Calvin Hill, uh, Cowboy beat writer, who talked about, yes, the Cowboys still do have money. They still do have money to, to do something with Des Bryant. So we'll see how that situation works out. We'll see if they can still get money, or if they can still pay Des Bryant. We'll see if they can still do it. It's Clarence Hill, I should say. I said Calvin. They're Clarence Hill, Cowboys beat writer. Um, so for the Star, Star Telegram out there in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. So he's saying that, yes, the Cowboys still do have money. They still do have money to do something for Des Bryant. Have a little less than $10 million in cap space. Uh, and that's after the deal, and that's according to Clarence, Clarence Hill, I should say. So you also look at pro football talk, and you know some GMs are calling this deal nuts. Nuts. They called it absolutely nuts. You know, um, so you're, you're having people out there calling the deal nuts. And so we'll see how this thing works out. I mean, so but it's a rarity to see that length. Well, not a rarity, but it's a long contract. It's a long contract. Long contract. And pretty much at this point in time, the Cowboys have him locked up and locked down to the age of 32. So this is pretty much, you can argue this is pretty much, you know, you may get one more deal after this, one to two more deals, probably short-term deals after this. But this is probably it in terms of, a contract for Tyron Smith, and again, if he does what he has to do, the contract is worth about $98 million when incentives that could go up to $110 million. And we don't know the, the, the parameters of this deal, and, you know, those will come out, you know, at some point. But when they do, when we do, we'll, we'll, we'll can finally break it down. And you look at these NFL contracts, and, you know, I know the agents is always good for them to say, well, we got this guy to sign, you know, my guy signed a five-year well, my guy signed an eight-year, $110 million contract, and my guy signed this, my guy signed that. And, and you know, the, the contract, obviously, well, it can be worth what they say it's worth if you play it out. But how many players actually do play it out? I mean, we looked at the Colin Kaepernick deal back in June when he signed that deal, $126 million deal. And the talk there was guarantees of $61 million. But as we looked at the contract, as we looked at the contract, we found out that, yes, okay, if he meets incentives and things of that nature, the deal could be worth $126 million. But as we look at it, the only guarantee in this deal is the $13 million, and that was guaranteed at signing. So the only guarantees in this deal is the $13 million. That's the only thing guaranteed. The only thing guaranteed is the $13 million. I look at it, and obviously Kaepernick does get more money than he had, you know, a few days ago. But I, I look at it as, you know, if Kaepernick had another big-time season, 
for the for the Forty Niners, which I think he could. You know, I look at it at him, and I say maybe, you know what? You should have waited on this, man. You should have waited. But the point I'm trying to make in comparing the Tyron Smith contract to the Colin Kaepernick contract, we look at Tyron Smith, we say eight years, $110 million, $40 million in guarantees, and we're saying, oh, okay. We look at the $110 million, and we're, we're going crazy. And we look at Kaepernick's deal, $126 million. We're going crazy. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, when you break out some of these, and we don't have the breakdown of Tyron Smith's contract, but we have the breakdown of Kaepernick's deal, well, you see – it's only a $13 million in signing bonus that's guaranteed at this point. It's only guaranteed at this point. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it works out for the Dallas Cowboys and Tyron Smith. Obviously, you do get a, a left tackle below market value somewhat, and if he balls out, you'll keep him at below market value. can't move, can't do anything for eight years, and salaries probably in the NFL are going to soar. They're probably going to soar over the next few years, especially with all this television money that's out there. And the NFL is king right now, so there's obviously going to be more money out there. And so the more money, the more the contracts are going to go up. So I guess at the end of the day, it's a pretty decent deal for the Cowboys. And at the end of the day, you get long-term security if you're Tyron Smith. You get that long-term security, which isn't bad, which isn't bad at all. But I thought, first of all, I thought Colin Kaepernick should have waited. And, you know, judging by what's going on with Tyron Smith and, it's, you know, the player that he may turn into, maybe he should have waited as well. But at the end of the day, you can't knock a guy for being able to get the type of money that those guys were able to get. You can't knock it because there's an opportunity for you to be taken care of maybe for the rest of your life if you do this thing right. If you do this thing right. Again, I, I, again, I don't think Kaepernick should have did it. I don't think he should have did it. I, I really don't. I think he should have waited because I thought and think that there was more money out there for him, especially. I mean, look at Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco bet on himself, and Joe Flacco reaped the benefits of betting on himself. You know, Joe Flacco is getting paid like a, one of the best quarterbacks in football. Joe Flacco is not the best, one of the best quarterbacks in football. Getting paid like it, but he's not, he, he's not one of the best quarterbacks in football. You know why? You know why he's getting paid like it? He bet on himself. He bet on himself. Kaepernick has a lot of incentives he has to get to. Kaepernick should have waited. And you could argue maybe Tyron Smith should have waited. But I don't know their situations. Their situations are their situations. Their money is their money. And at the end of the day, you know, $13 million in guarantees for Kaepernick, you shouldn't be able to go through that. And Tyron Smith and all the money that he's guaranteed, you shouldn't be able to go through that as well. I want to thank Tony Roten for stopping by. Make sure you go to his website, TonyRotenSkillsCamp.com. Also, I want to thank uh, Sean Kilpatrick for stopping by. Also, want to thank Scotty Hobson for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, or you can listen to this show and other shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, hit us up on our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of new YouTube videos up there. We actually posted a video uh, interview that we did with Stephen A. Smith from 2011, and ironically enough, a week later, or maybe 10 days after that interview, he was uh, he was with ESPN. He returned to ESPN. So make sure you check it out, youtube.com slash user slash go for it, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great weekend, great week. See you later. Take care. Bye. <laughs>